the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. an episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. If you are new here, welcome. And if you're one of our disruptors, welcome back. My name is Melissa. I am your American dental hygiene host and my co-host pal. Hi, it's Tabitha from Australia. We're really excited to have you. Um, What you didn't get recorded was a comedy of errors of IT issues before we started today. So um, well done to our host, Joseph, who was put up with our shit show I'll say it out that <laughs> it's fine of a, of a start but I feel like this is going to be a great episode because we've got all the nightmares out at the beginning <laughs> absolutely Joseph is an OHT from Melbourne and we've invited him along tonight because he started a company called Bumble Co making toothpaste for children and I saw it on Facebook where you know everything that you know happens and I was super excited to see an entrepreneur who's an OHT doing something like this I got to try the products and I loved them. And so I wanted to get Joseph on because I think that as OHT and dental hygienists, we've got so many opportunities to be entrepreneurs. And I really want to highlight anyone doing something exciting like Joseph is doing. So that's why I've got him here today. But let's start with saying, hi, Joseph. (laughs) Hello, everybody. How are you? Good. And let's start how we normally start all the podcasts. Joseph's graduated high school. And how did you make the decision to go become an OHT? So I've actually always wanted, and this is funny, I've always wanted to be a dentist ever since I was three years old. That was my first dental visit. And I was um, <clears throat> I was born in Egypt. I grew up in Egypt. I moved to Australia when I was six years old. And my first dental visit, uh, my mom took me. He was the most gentle dentist ever until today experienced. And he made me love the job. He made it fun. Uh, would give me lollies, even though I don't agree with that part at this point, uh, at the end. Um, but I do remember he left a great impression about the the job. So ever since I think I was about three or four years old, I always told myself I want to be a dentist. Um, and then, of course, graduated VCE, followed with that. And then when I graduated, unfortunately, did it in dentistry, but I wanted to follow through on that. And I got into oral health therapy, which I loved. And I'm actually very thankful that I did because I discovered that I had a uh, a knack for children. Uh, I had a an ability that I was able. I had a patience for children that I um. I think I got from my my mom because she was she she was she had child cares growing up, and I used to work with her and children and stuff. So I had a really um. I could I had a patience for them. I could make them laugh. I was a, I could be silly, which works really well with children. And that's that's essentially how I found myself in oral therapy as an oral therapist. Oh, that's really good. And hats off because. I avoid children like they've got the plague. (laughs) (laughs) I like them in my personal life, inside the dental chair. Yeah, I like one or two. None of them have perio. It upsets me. (laughs) (laughs) I did say to my boss, a little boy, none of it. I never get to see a juvenile perio case. I really want to see a juvenile case of perio. And he's like, if they have perio as kids, they've got something really wrong with them. And I'm like, I still don't get to see them. You know, it's funny you say that because I have so many parents and like, 
how are you so patient with children? Do you not have kids of your own? I'm like, no, they're like, oh, that that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to explain it because I have kids of it's... my own and I need a break from them when I go to work. <laughs> yes, yes. So how long have you been working as an OHT for? Uh, six years. Got Excellent. right in 2017. Yep. And what kind of setting are you working in, private or public? Like what, what are you doing in your clinical life? I, I did. I started off on a dental, dental van. So a private company or dental van. And I enjoyed that for a little bit. Wasn't really too challenging. It was very repetitive. Uh, there wasn't much therapy being completed on a daily basis. It was just more exams, cleans, checkups, referrals. Uh, I wanted really to get my hands dirty. So I left that, went into private. And ever since then, I've stayed in private. Uh, I've enjoyed it. So for our international listeners that don't know what the dental van is, do you just want to explain that? Because we'll have some people who will be like, that's dodgy in Australia. They call that. <laughs> we have that in America, we though. Do have, yeah. We have, yeah. So some, yeah. But some other countries may not know. So, yeah, explain. Yeah, of course. It's literally a company where we have a dental clinic on, it's a mobile dental clinic on some trucks, some vans, and we go to, uh, we go to childcare, schools, and we essentially dentally screen, screen children for dental checkups, you know, dental diseases, decay. And if we can complete the treatment then and there, we will, uh, with consent, of course. And then that's about it. So it gets repetitive. Yeah. And then too many kids. Too many kids. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> so you've been working as an OHT for eight years. You're mainly in private practice now. What made you come up with the idea of Bumble Co? So this is where it gets very personal to me. So as I said, I had a very, uh, I'm very passionate about pediatrics. Uh, I, I have a very strong belief that if children were to, were educated, generally anything in life generally, but you teach a child anything in an early stage, you can prevent so many problems later on in the future. And I'm very passionate about that in terms of dentistry. Uh, and I educate children in ways that are easy to understand, easy to remember. And I'll, I'll get more into that later, but, um, essentially I, because I'm very passionate about it, I get a lot of parents that had children who were sensory. Um, and I love seeing sensory children because like I said, I actually discovered that I had a, uh, I guess a talent to seeing sensory children, children with autism, uh, with ASD of course, um, who were generally just very anxious of everything, the environment, the sounds, and dentistry is already a very intimidating environment to be in. Uh, and I discovered that on my first private job where we saw a lot of um, ASD children and my boss was like, the kids really like you. So I, uh, I, when I discovered that, I, of course, questions came from the parents very frequently. My children has, my child has a lot of decay, hates brushing his teeth, you know, well, why do they not like brushing their teeth? And the same exact complaint that came over and over was they hate toothpaste. It's spicy, it's spicy, it's spicy. And that kept repeating for many, many years. And at that point, I was still trying to, I guess I was still growing up, you know, I, was, I didn't really think about, I can do something to fix this. And yeah, of course, my wife, who's actually the co-founder of this company with me, uh, I remember it came to a point where I had a mum who was, who had three ASD children. And this is uh, uh, the job before this one. And she was just at her ends. Uh, she was like, Joe, I don't know what to do. Um, no one wants to brush your teeth. I've tried everything. I've tried all the toothpaste. And unfortunately, there are some toothpaste out there that are halfway, like they're similar, 
but there's no fluorine. So there was a middleman that was missing. There was flavor, but no fluoride, and then there was fluoride, but no flavor. So I decided someone needs to breach that middleman for those children and remove the spicy. And that's where the idea was born. Um, and yeah, the idea was born there. I came home, I remember presenting that idea to my, my wife and she was extremely supportive of it. And ever since that day, we have been all in on that. So you've got the idea, your wife's like, yeah, let's do it. But how do you make that idea a real product? Like what's the first step that you did? Look, the first step was the name. Yeah. Uh, that, that to us was very difficult <laughs> to come up with a name. And Bumbleco, and this, you're going to laugh at this. Uh, so when I see those children who, have, um, who are very sensory, of course, any child, any child, generally speaking, I have names for the slow, the high and slow speed drills. And I call them Mr. and Mrs. Bumblebee. And they yeah. ended up uh, remembering those names. And every single time they'd see me, Joseph, which what I was using today, Mr. and Mrs. Bumblebee. And that's where Bubbleco was born. It was actually a tribute to those children that, that inspired this idea from the beginning. So that was I kind of that. where the name was born. Thank you. Yeah, it was, um, I'm very passionate about that name. And it's, it, makes it, it makes that company mean a lot, that much more to us and to, I guess, to those children that inspired it in the first place. So the, the name was the first, I guess, first obstacle we came up against. Uh, the second obstacle was, I've never made toothpaste. I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to use it and how to teach about it, but I never made toothpaste. So we went on, of course, researching, uh, you know, looking at what's out there. And as you're well aware, there's so many ingredients that are so unnecessary in toothpaste. SLS, parabens, pegs. Yeah. Um, sodium saccharin, I'm very not, I'm not a big fan of sodium saccharin as a sugar. That they use is extremely sweet and leaves a very uh, fake sweetness or metal metallic taste in your mouth so we've removed all of those flavors or all those uh bad i guess ingredients out of there we've used healthy sweet sweeteners like xylitol uh, and sorbitol they were the only two sweeteners that we went with and of course no mint that was the biggest uh thing we went to and we went around of course researching about manufacturers and labs to be able to manufacture this and we managed to find the manufacturer that was able to make all those changes that we were after after many months of research, sending emails back and forth. So it did take time, but we were, we never gave up on it. There were times that, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I have a question. Like, please. Because for me, I'm like, how do you even find a lab? Like, do you Google lab make toothpaste? <laughs> <laughs> we started <Yeah>. there. <laughs> how do you even do that bit? Because like, I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to find the lab. <laughs> It, it's difficult. It really is. We, we, I didn't even know, you know, you're like, I didn't even know what to search up initially. We were like, what do we even look for? So, but eventually you, you discovered this cosmetic labs and uh, labs that manufacture these things for you. And we found a lab in Sydney, uh, even though we didn't end up actually going with that lab funnily enough, but the lab in Sydney were able to give us a prototype of what we wanted. We weren't necessarily very happy with their prototype. We knew it could be better. They said, that's the best we can do. So we took what we learned from that. And then we went, we, we found actually a company in, a, in Melbourne here that help us, uh, help us find manufacturers and um, labs overseas. So we managed to find a lab and a manufacturer in China that had all the Australian certifications and regulations required to manufacture this 
properly. And it took us, I think about eight to 10 months to finalize the final prototype. And when that prototype came in and we tasted it, which is of course that you've had a trial, that was, that's the final product. You have no idea how happy we were. Yeah. We're like, this is it. So taste. So oh, can so I ask a question? question? Yeah, I'm just so, this is fascinating to me. And I'm just so curious as to like, so you, you researched the facility, you found the facility, but then what do you, like how, there had to be so much research to go into, like, what did you want the product to have in it? What, you know, how is this going to function? How's it going to taste? How's it going to bridge that gap that you were speaking to? How much time did it take you to kind of put all that together before you could even go to the lab and say, look, this is what I want. Great question. We, yeah, that is a great question. Look, we knew what we wanted in terms of flavor. We knew there were some flavors and we had, you're going to laugh. There was a flavor that we, could, we just could not do. It was tooth fairy bread. And that was supposed to be an Australian Aww. classic. Uh, so we have like, this, this, this Australian dessert called tooth fairy. And I wanted to, uh, sorry, tooth bread, uh, fairy bread. God, I mixed that up completely. Uh, fairy bread. And we wanted to create a flavor called tooth Can fairy bread for children. Can you tell our international listeners what fairy bread is? Because it's a very Australian thing. <laughs> it's a very Australian thing. Fairy bread is a party food that is literally white toast with butter and hundreds and thousands or the the sprinkles. I don't know what you guys call it. So it's just white bread, butter and thousands, like sugar sprinkles. And like <laughs> oh, in okay. the 80s and 90s, I don't think any kid would have it at a birthday party now, but people of <laughs> my, like our age, this was like the thing to have at a party. Yeah, like full 80s. Kath and Kim style party. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's why, so for our international listeners, when he calls it a fairy, you know, tooth fairy bread flavor, it would be like a sprinkles flavor. Correct. Which Joseph, that's like incredible marketing because today's parents grew up having that. So exactly. they'd be like, oh, I need to get this for my kid, <laughs> exactly. you know? And, yeah, uh, so it was, it was one of those things where like, okay, what flavors do children like? So we went out on the market, we looked at all the other, I guess companies that have breached that market and we wanted to see what was the most common or what was the favorite flavors and we discovered that watermelon was a genuine favorite <laughs> yeah yeah what watermelon is going to it tastes like what sour watermelon lollies <laughs> and it was but there's no yeah. sourness to it at all it smells amazing i can't wait i can't wait for you melissa to try it honestly you'll love it I, i'm so <laughs> i'm going to send you some my um, son will be too because he hates mint. He's he's going to be 16 and he still hates mint. So finding him toothpaste is always challenging. I'll, I'll make sure I'll send you some, I promise. Thank um, you. So yeah, we went with that one. And then bubble gum. You can't go wrong with bubble gum. I think it, it helps a lot of children. The third one was the one that we really took a big risk on. And that was strawberry yogurt. And we called a strawberry shake. Uh, that one... We were speaking to the manufacturer and we we're trying to come and the manufacturer just told us like, have you thought of strawberry yogurt? And we we're like, we thought of strawberry, but of strawberry yogurt, I was intrigued. And they sent us these flavors. We wanted to really come up with three, too much, more than that would be too many for the market at the beginning. And we tasted it and it tastes exactly like strawberry yogurt. So you've been having your friends over on Friday nights and you guys just taste toothpaste instead of food? A hundred percent. That's all I'm thinking right now. I was just taking toothpaste juice. I was getting terrible. How much tampering with the flavors did you have to do? Like once you got that first sample of like each flavor, did you have to go back multiple times with each flavor? Yeah. Like, and how many times <clears throat> do you think you went back to get that right? I think it was about three times. Oh, that's not too bad. Three times. It yeah, wasn't too really bad. Yeah. They did really well. They did exactly what we asked for every single time. Uh, but it was because that we were still learning what we wanted. 
that we weren't really asking for exactly what we needed. And then consistency-wise, was that hard to get? Because I can imagine getting the consistency of toothpaste could be hard because you need it to be, you know, obviously a gel, but you don't want it to be so runny that it's coming out and coming off the Correct. toothbrush. Is, is, was that a difficult thing to get or was the company kind of all over that? The company was really all over that. They yeah. had many, they've been, I think, manufacturing toothpaste for about 25 years plus. So they had mastered the consistency at that point. And they, they didn't really ask us. They were like, would you want it to just be a, a, like a regular gel? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want it to be any more runny or any thick gel. It's just a regular gel. Um, so they basically had like a base formula and then you got to fine tune it to what you wanted. Correct. Is that kind of how it went? Correct. Correct. Cool. It did help a lot. It did help a lot. And we just removed ingredients. We're like, no, we don't want this. Uh, find, a, find a more natural organic option. Uh, remove this, add this. And we would just play around with the ingredients as much as we can and my wife and I, we were just, honestly, mainly my wife, and she was on this 24-7. She has been the beating heart of this company since day one, honestly. You know, I was kind of like the brains behind the operation, but she's been the absolute beating heart of it. And uh, I can't, you know, you guys should meet her. As well. I, she's, uh, so making me think of a meme I saw today that said, if only I had a wife, I could be more successful. <laughs> <laughs> it was from a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Going back, I, I look, you go, Melissa. I'm I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, I, as soon as we started talking, I looked up your company online and I saw the picture of you guys and you're uh, adorable. <laughs> I just had to comment that too. Like cute power couple. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Going back to some of the things you wanted to take out, if we could talk about them for a little bit. So like Melissa and I are haters of SLS. <laughs> yes. yes. We, yeah. we are on the bandwagon of get rid of SLS. I don't believe SLS should be in anything that you put in your body. So for me... Correct. I won't use it in my shampoos, in my body washes, in anything. I don't let it in our house. But for our listeners who may not be as well versed on it, do you want to tell, explain to them why you didn't want SLS in your products? Uh, so SLS has been is a it can cause a lot of allergic reactions yeah. uh, in the uh, what was it, the mucosa of the oral cavity, uh, and it's very dangerous for children because specifically children because they accidentally swallow toothpaste. So you can imagine something like that that causes an, a reaction to your oral mucosa going into your stomach. Uh, so it was something that, uh, and it's very, actually very unnecessary. They put it in toothpaste specifically to create that foaming, the thick foaming agent. And it, what, what I've actually discovered is children that actually like that thick foaming feeling. Like a little bit of foaming is okay, but too much that like when you get with the Colgate, the out of Colgate amount, yeah. they don't actually like that. So we just decided, of course it's dangerous, uh, it's a very, it, it caused a lot of allergic reactions and we just removed it. Yeah. But like it's not necessary. And I think um, for clinicians, like for me, so I talk about it every day in my practice, every single patient that I have in, I ask them what toothpaste they use. And then I usually say to them, I'm going to ask you to change and use one without um, SLS. And one of the things you just need to warn them as clinicians is it's not going to foam. And that's okay, but just yes. don't keep adding to your toothbrush thinking you're going to make it foam. And so I say to them, it'll be weird for the first week. You'll be like, it's not foaming. This is what I'm used to. But then now, like I went away recently and on the plane, I used the little free toothpaste and the toothbrush and the plane toilet. And one, it burnt my mouth because it was like so minty. And two, I was like, it's so foamy and gross because I haven't used an SLS toothpaste in years. And I was like, this is disgusting. Why did I brush my teeth in here? (laughs) Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. 
they give you toothpaste and toothbrushes on flights yeah. in oh, Australia. Long hauls, like when you fly overnight. Yeah, not that that doesn't happen here. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been on the budget. We, we don't even brush your teeth if you're in the hospital here. <laughs> so it's a different problem completely, that one. Yeah. Exactly. That's a whole other episode right there. That you, that you took out. Um, so you took out SLS. Then you... Correct. What, what else did you want not in there? We took out PAGs. Pegs. Yep. Can you explain uh, that to our listeners? Yes, please. That is a very... I, I need to I can read up on that one as well. Um, I have a whole notebook <laughs> I need to get. Are uh, you putting me on the spot here? Type of thing. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So I'm just looking at this up right now on my notes. Give me a second. I'm going to pull this up. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, but you're it, good. It is so. It is a it's a cleansing agent. That's what they're yeah. called. It's a cleansing agent that they add into toothpaste, um, and in my opinion, completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's also an irritant uh, to the mucosa. A lot of these, a lot of these are actually yeah. just heavy chemicals. And it makes me wonder because, like, we've seen products like yours that are working perfectly without this chemical bomb. So, like, I don't understand why other companies continue to use them because it's just so bad for us and we're just putting chemicals in our mouths. And like you said, that irritant, a lot of the times when someone says comes in and they've got ulcerations in their mouth or problems, the first thing I say is get SLS out of your diet. If it doesn't clear up, then we'll look at other problems. It's it's the perfect yeah. first option, honestly. Yeah. And I have a, the funny thing is I was also had the same confusion as to well why is it still in yeah. these products and what i've discovered is going through a manufacturing process is it's because it's cheaper to manufacture with those products ah uh, that's what i was gonna say yeah. it's cheaper oh, here, I bet. Way. and exactly. then a sugar substitute that i think you said you took out as well yes sodium saccharin yeah so sodium saccharin is a it's an, actually an alcohol it's a sugar alcohol yes yeah, so uh correct and yeah. they add it it's actually, I think, 300 times sweeter than sucrose, normal sugar. Very, very sweet. And it leaves a metallic aftertaste. So it gives you that feeling that this is a fake flavor. Yeah. Fake flavor. Yeah. Uh, and children are very sensitive. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly good. right. So, and children are very sensitive to that. So we, I was, I'm very big on xylitol. Yeah. Very big on xylitol in, in toothpaste and gum. Uh, and I, I believe that. You know, if you had removed that, it would be amazing to put xylitol in there as a sweetener. And the, even the lab was like, oh, are you sure? It's maybe the flavor is not going to be that good because we're removing all that sweetness. And I'm like, no, no, I'm quite certain I don't want sodium saccharin. Maybe increase xylitol and salt a little bit. And it came out perfect. Yeah, that's And I'm just like, this is not too strong for children. And then, so you've gone back and forth with the flavor and everything. So it took you about 10 months. Your toothpaste ready to go. How did you decide on your marketing? This is the funny part. Uh, so what we did, the marketing was all m about 90% just me and my wife. Yeah. That we've done, most of the designs that you see are done on Canva, on Oops. the online. The yeah, the actual designs of the tubes and the product, we found a company called 99designs, which is owned by Vistaprint. Yep, I've used and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing company. Uh, what we've done was we created a competition on that website. And what you do is you upload a brief, a project brief, and you tell them, this is what we're after. This is our inspiration. This is the product that we want to create. This is the winning prize 
And we did that. We put up winning prize amount. We added the, the, the project brief and you get three days. And then anybody that is a, uh, I guess, a, um, a freelancer on the website is actually allowed and able to, I guess, submit a, uh, submit a, um, a design for your competition. In three days, we had, I think, 74 submissions to our briefs. And wow. if I showed you some submissions, you're absolutely going to laugh after considering what we ended up with. <laughs> and she, there was this girl from Croatia, and she uploaded this, and she has been our designer since that day. Awesome. For anything. Yeah, she's been amazing. So if you, um, and Melissa, if you look at the, at the page, you'll see that that is actually a variation of our monogram. So she was able to turn our monogram into the characters. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And so then the you get the design, and I imagine the toothpaste company that's making the actual toothpaste, they do all the packaging for you as well. And so you just send Correct. them one. And to step back to the actual toothpaste formula, a question I forgot to ask and I had been thinking about it, how did you decide on the fluoride content that you wanted to go with? So, okay, correct. So we, got, of course, as dental professionals, there are scientific research on the maximum amount of fluoride applicable to specific ages. And in Australia, that's very guided by the ADA. And in Australia, we have a maximum fluoride, sodium fluoride of 500 parts per million for up to six years old, between the six to about 12 years old, I think it's a thousand parts per million, or could be about 1100. Is that correct? Is that correct yeah. me if I'm wrong? Yeah. Uh, past 12, you can go up to 1500 parts per million with no problems. And then more than that, only under a dentist's specific uh, instruction, and there are specific products for that. Now, you'll see that we didn't actually put a gap, a cap on the age for our toothpaste, and that was intentional. So at the beginning, we were battling, should we put two to six, even though it was actually focused on those children because they're the ones that have nothing on the market. Six plus, at that age group, you're a little bit less sensory to mint, I guess, and there are a lot more products. So you can use adult toothpaste at that age. So there's other products out there that may still have a little bit of spicy, but at least you have the flavor to help. So I wanted to really get those children that have nothing and eventually slowly build up and create a product for those children. But the reason I didn't put a cap on that was because children who are sensory or have, for example, ASD or uh, autism spectrum disorder, they will not use it if it says that it's a maximum age of six. They will not touch it. So they all the time, I'm like, no, no, I'm older than this. I don't want to use this toothpaste because I've seen it happen. Now, yeah. I did not want those children to feel like this. they didn't have a, a place using this. So I didn't put that, that age gap on there. And is there plans to expand the toothpaste range up into adults? Because I don't eat mint. <laughs> I don't know what that there says. About, but I, I do. I like mint food, <laughs> but I do not like mint product or flavorings at all. You know what? And I'm I gonna tell you something. I see, and it burns my mouth. <laughs> You're gonna laugh at this. Me and my wife, our favorite flavors of ice cream and anything is mint. Same. Mine is mint chocolate so ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream is my favorite ice cream, same as my son's. And we both hate mint in dental products. It's not yeah. the same. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I won't use a mint toothpaste. Either. I find it burns my mouth. <laughs> it's spicy. Now you have me wanting. I, I mean, it's only 8 o'clock in the morning here, but now I'm jonesing for mint chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's weird. I love mint-flavored foods, but when it comes to dental products, yeah. I can't stand it. And It's a different kind. It's just a, yeah, it's a kick to it. 
Yeah, there is. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not nice. It's almost offensive in some cases, you know, and then we're, we're we wonder why we can't get people to do the things we ask them to do because we give them these products that are burning their tissues yeah. and then it's so spicy they don't even want to use it, but then we're we're yelling at them for not doing Correct. it. Correct. Makes sense. Correct. <laughs> so, Joe, you've got the product now. You mm-hmm. you finalized the design. Then how much did you make as your first batch? Like did you go in hard? Did you like go big or go home or like what did you do? <laughs> We had to negotiate down with the manufacturer a lot on that one. Yeah. Uh, they wanted something like, I think it was 50,000 per flavor. Minimum. Yeah. Whoa. It was a lot. It was a lot. Well, you know, think of them. They've got to, of course, make sure that it's, <clears throat> there's money in it for them. Yeah. And we had to really negotiate down with them. Like, they wanted to make sure that we weren't just doing this and planning to quit it. Yeah. You know, so I had to show them proof. I am a dental professional. Trust me, this is not something that's, this isn't just a small game this is a, a big thing like we're doing we're doing something that's important we're, we're, we're trying to fill, like fix a problem and we managed to actually sell them on our mission and they managed to uh we managed to negotiate down to them to ten thousand units yeah. of flavor um which is still quite a bit yeah it's still quite a bit in terms of storage and things like that but we also got <laughs> <laughs> no, we've actually got a storage unit. We're working out of a storage unit right now. But we hopefully we'll get a warehouse soon. Hopefully we'll get a and warehouse so soon. But it's still growing. You've got the tubes. They've come to Australia. You've got a warehouse unit. So you've invested big time, time Correct. and money. Correct. You've got all these tubes. How do you then make the next step? Like what was part of your plan? How do you get that from owning 30,000 tubes of toothpaste to being a toothpaste company? <laughs> You know what's funny, Tabitha? I'm still trying to figure that out. We're still only <laughs> on step by one here. But uh, of course, there is a plan. There is a plan. And we're taking it as it comes. Uh, in business, what we've discovered is sometimes, yeah, of course, you've got a plan, but you have to kind of be able to uh, adapt to yeah. the demands of the market. So, for example, when we first started the company, we knew that we wanted to get these on shelves. Like that is a, that is wholesaling into, for example, we have our biggest uh, our biggest pharmacy chain here, Melissa. It's called Chemist Warehouse. That's our our goal. We want to get into eventually Chemist Warehouse, Coles, Woolworths, because unfortunately, the reality of the situation is not everyone goes online to shop for toothpaste. Yeah. You know, so of course that's going to take a bit of time to achieve, and and we're really working on it in the background. But for the meantime, what we've done is we've offered it to all our customers online through our website. However. We are working with dental clinics all across Australia. We currently, we have sent our samples to, I think, 300 clinics across Australia, including, to my knowledge, we are the first company to have dental products in occupational therapy clinics. Yay! Wow. Within Australia. Very cool. Because, again, that's kind of, that's where those children yeah. are, the children need the most. Yeah, and pedi- I suppose pediatric dentists would be. Pediatrics, right. of course. I can, um put you in contact with some um, pharmacy wholesalers and uh, people that actually get products into pharmacies. I, I would love that. Give you the details for that off air. So I actually know a couple of <laughs> people that do that stuff, so I can help you there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That would mean the world to us. Yeah. But I think that that is a really, you know, it's obviously a hard game getting the product and then taking it off the ground. So one, I'd just like to say mad respect for having Thank an idea. You. <laughs> investing in yourself you. and taking the leap because that is not easy and you have to back yourself big time to do something like mm-hmm. that so like you know and you don't know how it's going to go so it's a massive leap of faith and i think good on you for doing that 
great for having this idea and seeing that hole in the market. Uh, you know, the way I heard about it was Facebook. It's a social media is a powerful tool. You know, you can love or hate it, but you can't change what it is. It's a beast that can work for you or against you. So it's been fantastic. So I've saw lots of people signed up for your um, samples. And then I even was on a on another page the other day and someone said, oh, I'm looking for a tooth. I've got a kid that doesn't want um, a mint toothpaste. And I went to write your name, your product down and three people had already done it. So like, you know, it's working. Because, you know, like we're going into, you know, I was on a completely different page and people are like, yeah, yeah, recommend this one. I got the samples the other day. It was really good. It was really good. That is, that I see, see, this is the stuff that I'm, I'm trying to still get to know about. Like yeah. we don't, we didn't hear this. We didn't hear this. And we're trying to, of course, collect as much information through the dental professionals as we can. Unfortunately, they're very, very busy and we respect that. Uh, there's only so much I can ask. Can you please give us some feedback? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but we've, Honestly, we've received incredible feedback so far from from uh, patients, from uh, customers, from dental professionals who are saying like these, like the kids' eyes are glowing. Like finally, I can I actually like using this toothpaste, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. That's really our mission. Like, as much as it, it is that our companies, yes, we're making the products. Funnily enough, that's not our focus. Our focus is education. Our focus is on changing the future of dentistry starting where it's most important in children you, yeah. you 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 make a child make sure that they understand that tooth is important it's not a choice it's a habit they will forever take care of their teeth and they will very very unlikely that they will go get dental problems if they actually understand these things at a younger age so it does start with educating parents as well that's a very very big part yeah. so that's one of my that's one of my biggest skills is i actually know how to educate these children and parents and i'm not sure if you read the back of the tube Tabitha, you'll see I've created an acronym called the wink of the tooth, a W-I-N-K. And the wink of the tooth stands for where white meets pink, which is tooth meets gum. Yeah. And that's where I teach children to brush their teeth. Aim yeah. your toothbrush at the wink of the tooth. And oh, that makes sense to them. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you. And so what's so – I actually have, like, a really random question. What's your wife's career background? She's actually a physiotherapist. Oh, wow. So, like, she's so actually wow. a physiotherapist. Like, is she in marketing or did she have some of these like <laughs> skills? But no. So, she's totally gone off the path and, you know, doing some new stuff out of her comfort zone as well. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she's very passionate oh. about pediatrics too. She's what? extremely passionate about pediatrics. What do you think has <clears> been <throat> the hardest bit in the whole journey? Oh, that's um. I got to think through this. Uh, look, I would say sourcing the product. Yeah. I would say sourcing the product. Um, the design, like the designs of all that. As long as you know what you're after, you'll be able to get it. But sourcing the right manufacturer. There's many manufacturers out there for anything that you're after. But there is absolutely no way for you to know the quality you're getting. Yeah. Especially if it's overseas. Yeah. Yeah, that you know would be a bit scary. <laughs> it's very scary, but we had so many like they were amazing in terms of communication. Like I remember when they were fulfilling our order, we received like a 70 page booklet with photos of every single product, the measurements, the length, the thickness, the color, the consistency, everything was measured to perfection to make sure that it was actually exactly what we asked for. Awesome. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's it's that it's uh that was the hardest part I would say sourcing the the, the product. 
And what do you think has been the funnest aspect of the journey? Design. Yeah. Design. I, I can't, the, the design has been the most fun to see it come to life, to see, and, and honestly, just seeing the children use it. Yeah. I have to be honest, but I think, I, I, I think the design was the most fun. I have a couple questions for you Please? too, Joseph. Um, <clears throat> from idea to product in hand, how long did it take you? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's yeah. fast, that's but also really shows you how hard you have to work. Like, I think you actually did that quite fast. I imagine that takes a lot longer for some other people. But it also, like, I think it's really good for listeners to understand that, like, when you pick a product up, like so much passion and love and hard work goes into whatever it is that you're touching. Like that somebody's right. blood, sweat, wet and tears behind that. Yeah, late nights, early mornings, yeah. all this extra time behind the scenes that people don't really see, realize or understand puts into like effort like this because I'm sure you and your wife were working your jobs on top of doing Correct. all of this, right? right? Running your household, doing all the things, trying to have a life. So there's a lot behind the scenes that, you know, the average Joe, when they just like Tabitha said, just pick something up off a shelf. You don't realize what goes into it. Like, mm. I think we think a lot of times too, like these big corporations have people to do all these things like a Crest or a Colgate. It's a different animal. But when, you know, you have a product like you've made from the right place, from your heart, from really wanting to see people have something better, it's just totally different. So thank you. That means a lot you. to me. That really does, honestly. Look, I have to I do have to say we were I guess it was a blessing in disguise that at that time COVID was happening. You know, there was a yeah. lot of lockdowns. It gave it did give us that bit of extra time to be able to make this come to life. So I do agree with Tabitha in saying that that is probably quicker than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, COVID, like as horrible as it was, and like I wouldn't wish another pandemic on any of us, please don't get me wrong. But for a lot of people, getting locked in the house and not having your normal social life, your normal activities you would go to, certain running around that you would have to do, it really worked in a positive way for some people. And I don't want to take away with how hard it was and how horrific it was for some people. But for some people, you saw them just kind of thrive through it and you and their yeah. imagination got to work and they got to work on projects that they maybe wouldn't have ever had the time like me I launched a business in the middle of COVID and I would have probably would have never done it if COVID didn't hit correct because I was sitting at home the podcast and yeah the pod our podcast launched in COVID because we were sitting at home going god what will we do and, <laughs> but I think if we had been living our normal busy lives we would have not had time to actually do it and so yeah I think in some ways, COVID really helped, you know, because you would have been going out doing normal life, but all of a sudden you've got Correct. all this time. <laughs> like, well, at least this is entertaining us and keeping us not from going insane. There's a creativity in boredom. Yeah. Your mind kicks, yeah. your mind kicks into different get completely. You'll be like, oh, I need to come up with something to entertain myself. Yeah. And you get that creativity just coming out of nowhere just because you're bored. Uh, and that's what happened. Yeah, uh, no, not necessarily with this. This was fueled by an actual problem. But yeah, but then like just I, actual being able to work on it. Correct. And what's next for the business? Like where, like how do you want to, like what do you envision your next steps? Definitely on shelves. That is our wholesale is our biggest goal because we want to make this as convenient as possible to as much as the user is the children. We also have to understand that they're not the buyers. Yeah. You know, they're not the buyers. We need to make it easy for mum and dad to pick up 
whenever, wherever they go shopping. And unfortunately right now, and I'm aware of this, that it is a bit difficult and it's a bit hard because it's online, but I promise anyone who's listening to this, we are working so hard to try to get this to you as convenient as possible. And once we are able to give the Australian children first how much like those that this we're definitely going global so our plan is to eventually hopefully get into different markets america we're coming for you next That's the plan. <laughs> we need you thank you <laughs> no i love the ambition it's you know it's great and i really hope that listeners at home are one realizing how much passion goes into one of these projects but also feeling inspired by you that maybe they've got an idea that they can make it come to life you know maybe they've been thinking about designing a toothbrush or you know <laughs> um, or you know doing something different you know designing something for patients you know put your mind to it and anything's yeah. kind of possible you know like we had another great entrepreneur on here mark Wotherspoon, who designed a device to clean dentures without having to touch them for elderly patients and their carers and and he started in the backyard do you know what i mean like and it took right. years of prototypes and doing things and getting there but you know without and his came from passion of wanting to help older people. And I think that that burning feeling inside to help people, these amazing things come out of it. And it's so exciting to to see. And I'm always super proud when it's an OHD or a dental hygienist as well because, you know, <laughs> I always want to we, – Melissa and I, it's one of the reasons why we did this podcast is, one, we didn't want listeners to feel so alone. And, two, we just wanted yeah. to help highlight other hygienists and OHDs that were doing cool things. So that like the world can know about it because I'm so proud of, and so is Melissa, so proud of our profession. And we just want to, you know, show other people like what we can do. So many of us feel like we're trapped in this little operatory where we have to just go into agreement with the environment and the things around us. And we don't feel empowered to use our voices and make change. But yet what we do in dentistry, like you were just highlighting with toothpaste and the way things are made, it's like archaic. We know better. So now we have to change what we do and do better as a result of that. So, you know, just, just sharing these things helps give other colleagues of ours all over the world, the ability to, to feel empowered, to use their own voice and make change. So if we're all doing that in our own operatories, our own places in the world, like imagine the impact we can have because we are so important in healthcare. We are like, we're so connected to the rest of the body, but the rest of the world doesn't get that yet. So we have so much work to do. It's a long way to go. It's yeah, a long way yeah. To go. but it, it needs to start somewhere. And I, I think uh, you focus on children. We're starting the right way. Yeah, so and that's I, my biggest Like I actually like you can feel overwhelmed by a long way to go, or you can feel excited by a long way to go because that means there's so much change to happen. You can be part of it. You can witness it. So like I look at that as don't be overwhelmed by that. Be like super excited by it. Like you know, you get to be one of those disruptors. So you've yes. joined a disrupting club, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're disrupting the toothpaste industry and you're making those changes. And we love that. Like that is we need to exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We are super Thank excited you. by that. So um, when do you think your adult toothpaste will come out? <laughs> I don't want to give you any promises, but I can't keep. I'm going to be honest right now. I don't want to. It's definitely, definitely something that we're going to work on. Yeah. I guarantee you that. I just don't want to tell you or anyone listening right now at a specific time that we can't make. But I soon. think if you make flavors like Chardonnay and Merlot, <laughs> you could definitely get adult to brush their teeth. Oh, I would probably use mint chocolate chip ice cream toothpaste. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah. I thought about that one. 
um so are there any ideas to branch outside of toothpaste or you think you guys will stick to toothpaste no definitely branching outside yep definitely branching what, outside. I, yeah what are you guys thinking uh so again however that's your background i want to i want to we want to give the children the necessary all the necessary tools they need to maintain perfect oral hygiene yeah or at least as close to perfect as possible yeah uh, and there are two other things that I strongly believe in. Though, of course, toothbrush is very necessary, but it's not just about the toothbrush itself. It's about the technique. Yeah. That is again something that we have. We are very, very uh, different. We stand out. That is our brand. Our brand is our difference. How we stand out. If you look at our directions for use, it is the most u- the most unique brushing directions you will find any toothpaste in the world. Every other toothpaste in the world. Have a think about directions. Are. Brush for two minutes. Yeah. Spit. Blah, blah blah that's it very vague this is this has got the wink in it this has got switch up the tap yeah you know while you're brushing your teeth because we're about helping healthy habits that's our slogan uh so we want to introduce that toothbrush in the sense that we also educate the technique and another one is tongue scrapers yeah tongue scrapers are extremely important uh, and i don't think that enough even dental professionals advocate for those let alone the public to, to know that they need it I think just cleaning your tongue properly can prevent so many more problems. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's so many companies out there selling placebo products that do worse, such as mouthwash or hair. That's just, uh, just superficial. doesn't even. Chemicals are disrupting the oral microbiome. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's an episode to come. Yeah. Exactly. It's just chemical. Yeah. Like uh, it's quite interesting. Like patients have a real obsession with mouth rinse. I yeah. think because of the way advertising has worked with them and there's certain companies that have definitely been very effective in their advertising. But so many times, you know, my, the first question <clears> I <throat> ask patients before I look in their mouth is, tell me what you do at home to take care of your mouth because I don't want to lead them into an answer. I just want them to tell me things. And so often they'll say they use a mouth rinse and I'll ask why. And they're like, oh, because, you know, like I'm taking care of And I'm like, if you brush and clean between teeth properly, you don't need it. This is just money being wasted and they are look mortified when i tell them this and i'm like just wasting money just like ditch it and i say to them like i would never put a mouth rinse in my mouth unless it was for a medicated reason and it was prescription mouth rinse for a very specific reason and that is it i said but otherwise and short term not long yeah and very short term and they are so more like they're so shocked because advertising has worked so well it's a shame those companies haven't spent time have great advertising on brushing or interdental cleaning because imagine where we could be but it's the yeah. same thing as other companies releasing medium and hard bristle toothbrushes yeah do you know like yeah. we know like if you're a dental company you're releasing these these products you've you've got enough research to know that no one should ever be using anything more than soft yeah but they're there because they sell the last time you i was hey i forgot my toothbrush embarrassingly but anyway so i go i go to the chemist to buy one and i couldn't find a non-hard toothbrush they were all hard in this chemist and i was like like i'm rummaging through all the toothbrushes and i'm like how am i gonna brush my teeth but i was really shocked at how much of the market over there is hard and i was like and again very interesting i'm like but why because no dentist would recommend or dental hygienist or OHT would recommend this in their surgery. This is just dental companies going, oh, you know, preying on patients who think if I get a harder brush, it'll get more off. Exactly. 
That's all. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the average person probably, unless they were educated by their dental professionals, doesn't even know to look at the bristle hardness, right? They just go and they grab a toothbrush that's on sale Yeah. yeah. and they have no idea that it's, it's not good for them. And then on top of it, you know, how many patients do you, when you disclose them, do they, and then you do OHI instruction, how many times have they said to you, I've been brushing my teeth wrong my entire adult life. Like, why is it now I'm being taught how to brush my teeth properly? I think every dental so, professional had that until they went to uni and someone told them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but it will like those U-shaped toothbrushes that have come out that are like horrifically bad that don't even have bristles in them and just have those little silicon bumps. Um, I looked at the research for them and the using a U-shaped brush is compared to not brushing. There's no difference. <laughs> but again, I feel really it's a bad for consumers being taken advantage of by that advertising because Correct. they're mm-hmm. making decisions they're trying to do the best thing possible. They're just trying to do something good. And especially ASD parents, I can imagine them thinking, if this will be quicker and easier, we'll do it. We'll give it a go because they're just trying to get through the routine. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tough for parents too. I mean, my son was horrible at brushing his teeth. I used to have to pin him down, put him in a headlock with one hand, and I sang him a little song about being an angry little monkey who didn't let his mama brush his teeth. But that's because I knew the importance of it, right? Other mothers would be like, that's too much or just get in there for a second and do what they need to do and feel like that that was the best I could do and that's okay. And that is okay in a lot of circumstances. But it's just the fact that there's when you don't have the education of the importance and somebody hasn't instilled that education on you, we just continue to perpetuate this cycle. And that's where dental disease is really stemming from. So the fact that you're focusing on children, Joseph, I think is incredible because it's definitely needed. And just think about the impact we can make by the time they're adults, we could reduce so much disease, so much suffering. And then on top of that, these subsequent systemic issues that are stemmed from not managing oral microbiome. So it, it's a huge impact that you can have. It's it's tremendous. That's that's the plan. That is definitely the plan. That's uh, We want to do that. That's our mission. That's honestly, that's our why. That's our why. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And you know, it's easier said than done, I'll be honest with you. You said that considering the uh, huge players in the game yeah. that you have to compete with. Yeah. Uh, but I think if we just keep doing what we're doing, I think parents will realize that we genuinely care. Yeah. We're not just selling, we genuinely care. And that's what we are. Like, we're more passionate about the education, like I said. We want to educate. And, like, here's the education. This is what you need. That's it. And before we finish up, we have talked a little bit about ASD patients tonight, just briefly. What would be, to other clinicians out there, your top three tips for treating patients with ASD? For me personally, if I'm seeing a child with ASD for the first time, I will never do treatment, ever. Um, My first appointment with an ASD patient is focused on desensitization. Yeah. It's 100% focused on desensitization. It is... Hold the drill in your hand. Let them feel the sound, the, the, the vibration. Let them hear the sound of it. Let them desensitize themselves. This isn't scary. I'm allowed to hold it, which means it is not scary. But if you tell them, no, no, you're allowed to not touch this, it's instantly danger. Why am I not allowed to touch this? You have to speak to them the way they will understand. Uh, so that's a, my, one of my biggest tips is don't go, don't do treatment on the first appointment, no matter if the parent tries to tell yes or no. 
your job is to do what is best for this child, unfortunately, not to listen to the parents simply because they want something and they're demanding something to be completed. Yeah. I have refused treatment simply because I don't want to traumatize this patient. Like for me, it's, yeah, I'm happy. Like I'm more than happy to do the treatment, but I'm not, I'm going to do a next visit. Yeah. Because my, I'm focusing on making sure this child's prepared for that. You know, so smell this, touch this, listen to this. What is this? This is called Mr. and Mrs. Bumblebee. Uh, the profi cup, I call it Mr. Marshmallow Man. And they touch it, they feel it, you know, and you put the profi paste on it and it smells like bubblegum. So it's like marshmallow. It's got the smell of the marshmallow too. All they, of course, to them, it sounds like that. And uh, Mrs. Bumblebee, she sprays water. She gives it to the shower. So this simple language that gives them a, 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 an idea of what is actually happening in their mouth. And of course, the suction, the, the triplex tips, yeah. you know, I do the glove, the glove balloon that gets them every single time. You know, so these little tips there and next visit they come, depending on, of course, what the treatment is. Like, let's say we're doing a filling, you know, topical. Introduce them to smell. So that's my big, biggest tip, uh, I think, to that with ASD. Uh, my second would be diet. I think ASD children yeah. have such a... Some parents who are on top of it, ASD children have an incredibly controlled diet. But others who are still, I guess, in the process of learning, that needs to be addressed because you control a diet, you can prevent a lot more problems going forward than what you, of course, have. Because you, you have to understand, you only have control over so much. But, yeah, and I yeah. think you to be understanding too. Like I, I've got a friend who's got an ASD kid and he will literally not eat for four days as a standoff over he's not going to eat that food, he's only going to eat this. And then like on the fourth, like... They like I know he will always they will always break before he will. <laughs> you know, like so it can be really hard for those parents who want yeah. to do better, but they've got these kids with sensory issues and they don't want to have a lot of variety in their diet. They don't want to eat certain foods. And so that can be so difficult. And I think having understanding and talking to them and then, you know, they, they need and referring them to dietitians and we have the chance and stuff like that, because they need more help. Exactly, definitely. Yeah. Every child is extremely unique. Yeah. Every child is extremely unique. Um, what I also do with the third tip I'll give is find something unique about the child and talk about it. They will love you yeah. for it. You know, if that child's coming and wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt, you better talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, you better talk about Spider-Man. If you talk about Spider-Man, they will love you. You know, that is so important to them. Uh, so that's kind of like some of my tips that I do with my children and like Tabitha, I've seen I've seen patients four or five years old with ASD who have been referred to pediatrics to go under GA for extractions, fillings. And I've been able to complete those under local simply because you take the time to desensitize, to educate them, and you take the right approach. Sometimes that right approach involves a bit of lies, white lies, but it works. No, no parents can be like, don't lie to my child. <laughs> no, the work, if the work's been done, you know, do whatever needs to be done, yeah. I guess. But, you know, um, yeah, I think I think just be extremely uh, unique with your approach with every single child as well. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I think each child, like, needs that little thing, like you said, to talk about. I have have a young man on the spectrum, actually. Well, he's in his 30s now, but he's nonverbal and he loves Disney. Yeah. And so um, we always, he doesn't talk, but I just talk about Disney the whole time and he just smiles like and he's so happy and he wears a Disney shirt to all his appointments and like he points to his Disney shirt to show me 
like he's got the Disney shirt on and then I'll talk about Disney about how much because he's been to Disneyland and he's obsessed and it comes very easily because I'm obsessed with Disneyland as well so it's (laughs) (laughs) but my top tip is if you have boy children in your chair brush up on Minecraft the most boring game in the world (laughs) but my son just gave me a filthy look from across the room <laughs> the days my children stopped playing that was like legit the best day of my life. <laughs> uh, have you had to talk about Minecraft with a patient, Joseph? I have. It's I pretty, have. Yeah, it's they're I intense have. about it. They're very intense oh, about it. Yeah. They are. They are. They speak about it like it's a religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> It's cute though. It I is. mean, I, I miss mine being little and they would like build these Correct. cities and together. So and yeah. I remember listening to them once and they're like, Did you spawn this? I'm like, Whoa, 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 what's going on? <laughs> what, what are we spawning here? What, what's happening? And then I just watched them for a few minutes. I'm like, Okay, carry on. <laughs> I'll be honest though, there's honestly like thinking about the rest of the games, like Minecraft over Fortnite anything. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, that's you know that's a great point. They're actually using their brains in a exactly. like, productive way. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's not you know just destructive <laughs> and violent and all those other fun things. It's a big fight in our house at the moment because Fortnite's not allowed. It's a banned game, so it's uh yeah. And apparently, he's the only child at school that doesn't play Fortnite, so he's got nothing to talk about on the lunch break. <laughs> well, tell Ari if he can hear that. His friends over here in the U.S. had the same rules in my house too, and they were the only kids that didn't play it either. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> You've heard the podcast before. Everyone's just, yes, that's that's a, that's what we do here. <laughs> so, no, we thank you so much for coming on tonight and sharing your passion with us. It's really exciting and. I'm just super proud of you and everything that you've achieved so far. And we're going to be rooting along the sidelines. We will put in the show notes links to the um, website and we'll also make some posts about the toothpaste and stuff and share this with all our listeners as well. Thank you so Definitely. much. Thank you so much. For we, can't, we can't wait till it hits over here in the U.S. so we can share it over here some more as well. Yeah, and the first time Absolutely. I see it in a supermarket, I'll selfie with it. <laughs> Don't <laughs> taking off on that. Yeah, definitely will. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, thank you for all of your heart and your integrity and your passion and your grit, Joseph. We thank we you. need more people like you in our industry. We I hope I, I can inspire some people. Really, yep, absolutely. Thanks very much, everyone. So keep disrupting to all our listeners. Um, Give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. We love that. And hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll keep disrupting and hopefully you'll hear from again from us soon. Bye. 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 Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.